And I think it's just a matter of always casting that vision. And as a leader, that's the hardest thing, I think, for most people is being that person every single day that continues to press the vision forward and set the standard. And, you know, as a leader, you're the standard and and you can, you have to be the the bearer of that standard on a daily basis. And when you let that drop, when you don't, um, you know, uphold those standards of, of, you know, your organization or your team or whatever it is you're a part of, everything's just going to drop to the lowest common denominator. Welcome to the Building Excellence Podcast. I'm your host, Bailey Miles. The Building Excellence Podcast is all about sharing inspiring stories from some of the most successful athletes, coaches, business minds, and thought leaders to help you build excellence in your life, leadership, and legacy. We hope this show provides you with tremendous value. And if you find the show impactful, please share with a friend and on social media, as well as subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes. We would greatly appreciate it. Thanks. Now let's get to the show and start building excellence in your life, leadership, and legacy. Chris Young is the director of tennis and the head women's tennis coach at Oklahoma State University. In the last 13 years of leading the OSU women's tennis program, he has compiled a 224-103 to record and built OSU into a national tennis power. In 2016, Oklahoma State made it to the national championship, finishing as runner-up. With numerous appearances to the Sweet 16, 10 straight NCAA tournament trips, and two Big 12 regular season titles, he has led OSU to unprecedented success. Coach Young was instrumental in the fundraising and design for the Michael and Ann Greenwood Tennis Center. With an overall record of 413 to 197, he has seen success and built tremendous programs everywhere he has been. On the show, Coach Young shares his perspective on how to establish a compelling vision, the importance of belief, building a program, curiosity, surrounding yourself with great people, how complacency is the enemy of success, faith, authenticity, what it means to be a great husband and father, and much more. I've been really excited to share this episode because whether you're a coach, business leader, or young person, there's so much to take away from Coach Young's story, and I hope it inspires and encourages you. Enjoy the show. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Building Excellence Podcast. Today, I have a special guest, Coach Chris Young with me. Coach, thanks for being here. I appreciate it. Yeah, if you wouldn't mind, kind of give our listeners some context to growing up and, and your background, what life was like growing up for you. Yeah, Um my name is Chris Young. I'm the director of tennis and head women's tennis coach at Oklahoma State. As the director of tennis, I oversee um, both programs, but I coach on the women's side. I've been here for 14 years. I came here in the um, spring, uh, the August, excuse me, of 2009. And so this spring will be my 14th uh, season as as head coach. Um, so it's been a been a good run. We've built the program um, up from kind of the ground ground floor. I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about that later, but um, as somebody who grew up in the state of Oklahoma, it's nice to kind of to come back and hopefully make an impact, um, you know, on tennis and young people growing up here in the state. Yeah. So where did you wind up growing or where did you, you grow up in, in Oklahoma? You know, I've, I've lived kind of several places around the state, but I went to high school in Norman. So I graduated from Norman High School back in the day when there was just uh, one one high school. So we were all Tigers. Okay. And people always say uh, it's kind of ironic that a Norman high grad can be coaching in Stillwater. But sure. uh, I always thought it was interesting that our colors were orange and black in high school. So uh, for Norman High School to be orange and black, I've, I've been orange and black most of my life. So it's been good. Yeah, loyal, loyal and true. So right. 
Um, did you play sports growing up? Or was that something that was always a part of your life? And, and do you have siblings too that played or what was that like? Yeah, I, I grew up playing pretty much everything. Um, played played a lot of sports, you know, all through high school. And then um, last few years of high school, really focused in on tennis. And and that became what I was passionate about and and, and went off to, to college to continue playing. But I played, played everything. Um, you know, I think in a school like Norman though, you're, you know, you got so many people and, and a lot of people began to specialize then just because of the sheer numbers and, and trying to, uh, to be able to, to compete well in their sport. Um, but I, I played everything growing up. Uh, I have a younger brother that played a lot of sports growing up and, and then primarily did wrestling in uh, in high school. So we had a few different paths, but, um, but it was always, always good. And I uh, grew up in a sports sports family uh all of my family is athletes and my uncle is a longtime high school coach so um we've all kind of grown up playing a lot of different different things doing a lot of different things and always just um you know athletic background for sure sure now how important were your your parents growing up and as you look back maybe some of the the lessons that you've taken from them as you look back yeah for sure i mean my parents were very influential in the foundation of who i am as a person my faith um you know i think just the foundation of everything that i did um you know my father was a minister growing up so we kind of moved around to a few different places but always kind of involved with that and then uh, my my mom is was very influential just taking taking care of my brother and i whatever we needed so um you know i think very close with them and close as a family and then just our extended family I know you know some of my relatives, but um, you know we have a pretty close, pretty close family. I would, I would say, um, just in everybody around the state of Oklahoma. Where you know my family was in Norman, but now they're in Fort Gibson, just outside Tulsa. So most of my family is in Tulsa or kind of Fort Gibson area. Uh, my brother, my parents, uh, my aunts and uncles—they all live in Fort Gibson. So I'm kind of the one that. Um, got away a little bit right now, um, but but everybody's kind of over on that side of the the state now. But um, you know we've grown up, um, spent a lot of time in Ada. That's where my mom went to high school, and my dad was from Lindsay. So um, just throughout the state, I think we're um, we've we've been around, and we we know this is home. Um, and then just yeah, just family in general, um, being close and having that connection, um, establishing foundation for character character integrity and some of the values that i think are so important yeah absolutely it sounds like family was very important to you growing up and still is and i think that probably translates into a lot of how you coach as well from the kind of the qualities and the characteristics that you talked about so when when was the point i guess maybe maybe middle school high school that you kind of decided hey I, i've got a chance to actually play college and maybe do some tennis or what was your approach and your mindset as you wanted to maybe play at the next level yeah, I think that was always my mindset is, you know, try to to do something that would allow me to to compete at the next level and just play as long as possible. You know, I've always just enjoyed the competitive nature of sports and, and um, you know, didn't want to stop once high school was over. So just trying to find my my path forward through that. And, um, you know, tennis seemed to be what I what I had the, the most success with and, and pushing that forward and figuring out what that was going to look like for me. And I knew that I always wanted to be involved in athletics somehow um, for the rest of my life, if possible. And whether it was coaching, whether it was just being involved in some form or fashion of athletics, that was that was the goal. Um, and so just trying to be able to do some things that would allow me to um, learn more and grow more um, in every aspect of that. So 
I, I would say just from early on, you know, most kids have uh, that mindset. They want to be an athlete, um, you know, and I think it's just finding that path going forward. Yeah. And so you ultimately you wound up at Lipscomb, correct? In Nashville, That's Tennessee. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What, what was the recruiting process like for you? Because I'm sure it's maybe evolved a little bit since since that time. Yeah, you know, you back then um, you could just get one phone call per week. And so um, most of the time the coaches would call um, on the weekends. So kind of my weekends would be, um, you know, with with phone calls of coaches and, and kind of thinking about what the future is going to be. And uh, when I went to Lipscomb, the coach was a little bit older um, and he would always call me like 8 a.m. on Saturdays. And you know, <laughs> as a young young guy, it's like, man, I want to sleep in on Saturday and 8 a.m. my phone's ringing and and it was the coach. And um, so I got over that part of it. And, uh, <laughs> you know, he just was very persistent. And and I remember going for a visit and just realizing, okay, this is something I hadn't considered. But, um, you know, Nashville isn't what Nashville is now, but it was still such a cool place. And I think just going away from home and doing something different and, and uh, making my own mark, um, you know, with all my family and everybody being around here, just like what it would be like to do something a little bit different. Um, but I think that ultimately what my decision was, was that was the coach that believed the most in me at the time. And so I always kind of think about that as I'm recruiting is, you know, I want to be that person that really um, shows these kids that I believe in them and, um, you know, are going to be the, the person that supports them as mo much as possible. And, um, you know, I went there and, and had a great experience and very much uh, keep in touch with a lot of the guys that I played with there, I would say, um, you know, as far as all the people that I played with in high school and college, um, the guys from Lipscomb, I keep in touch with um, a few of them, probably the best of anybody. Hmm. That was a that was a really good a good time. And then I, I came back um, to to Oklahoma Christian in Edmond and um, started dating someone who's now my wife. And so that kind of helped in that process a little bit and uh, came and, and finished up there and, and had a good experience there. And um, when I, when I finished up, the head coach offered me the chance to stay on and, and begin coaching. And that was obviously what um, I wanted to do at the time. And so coaching men and women there um, as the assistant coach. Um, and that was, a good experience, you know, I was uh, coaching under a coach, Chris Miller, who had a lot of success and, and um, just watching, I think more or less watching um, what he did on a daily basis, and then trying to figure out how I could add to it, you know, what could I do that as an assistant coach with my personality would would help the program. And, um, you know, I think it's always interesting, because as a player, you always think that things could be done this way. And then you get on the coaching side and you understand more why things are done the way that they're done. And mm. um, I always say that it'd be nice if every player could spend six months as a coach and then go back to be a player. I think they would, <laughs> yeah. they would just appreciate things different and see things from a different perspective. And, you know, sometimes you just don't always know kind of what's going on. And as a coach, you don't have time or there's just, you know, no reason to, to explain things just the way that it is. And, um, so I learned a lot, you know, in that process. And then in my second full season helping him, uh, he got a diagnosis of colon cancer. So then I had to become the interim coach for the first two and a half months or so of the season. And so, um, you know, not that far removed from, from some of the players I was coaching who had been some of my teammates. Um, you know, that was an interesting experience, but I, I really appreciated them because they respected me and they, 
gave me the opportunity to to coach them. And uh, then, you know, I had guys and girls on the team that I had helped recruit. So that was a fun experience to, you know, have that first recruiting class be people that I was now coaching um, and just being able to kind of keep the program going at a high level. I think that's something that I was always proud of. So when the coach came back, the program hadn't dipped down. And then the following year uh, on the guy's side, won the national championship. So, you know, I think just being able to kind of keep things going, keep things rolling, um, that was good. And and then, you know, had a year where I coached both teams by myself as the head coach and then moved on to Wichita State from there. So I'd always, you know, even at Wichita State, coached uh, guys and girls. So whether Oklahoma Christian or Wichita State, I coached both programs. And that was always um, just a natural thing for me. It's kind of what I knew. I didn't really know any different, but to have that workload of, of having both programs. So when I got to Oklahoma State and just began coaching the women's team, it was, that was kind of nice. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Well, man, there's a lot in that story just there, but going to Lipscomb, you know, from Oklahoma, that's a little transition. And, and as we always talk about, sometimes people, and when they move into athletics or just any any time you move into college and you're moving away from something that's maybe comfortable in your environment, it's it's adapting, it's changing. But at the same time, I'm sure as you look back now, some of these things that you were doing, you're able to really empathize with the players that you have that are coming from overseas, which is a totally even even on a broader scale, too. So I think that's really interesting. And, and you talked about relationships and how some of those people that you played with are still really close to this very day. Yeah. And then, Kind of being thrown in the fire when you go to uco and get into coaching and all of a sudden now you're the head coach and you're just a year or two removed from being a, a player and so what was that like in terms of just your mindset you talked about respect and, and the one thing i'm thinking of and i don't want to put words in your mouth but uh people probably respected you because you treated them the right way as a player uh as a friend uh teammate and then also you did things and you worked hard i'm, I'm assuming uh, can you talk a little bit about your mindset as you jumped into that position and kind of were under fire a little bit, or maybe you weren't under fire, but that seems like something that's not necessarily common or natural for, for everyone when they're young. Yeah. I think the most important thing I think in being a coach is being authentic and being yourself. You know, I think I can't be somebody that I'm not. So I think that's one of the things that I've always felt like I've done well um, is just, this is, this is kind of who I am and I'm comfortable in my own skin to um, just be myself and and share that. And I think authenticity is very relatable to people because people see someone that you're not trying to be someone that you're not, you're just being who you are. And I think that's what players want. I think they also want consistency, just you showing up every day and being the same person and them not having to know like how you're going to be. Um, so those are the things that I would say I pride myself on. Um, and so I think that's something that early on, this is what I was just trying to do. Like, this is the standard of the program and this is what we're going to do. And, um, you know, from the time that I became the assistant coach to the time that I was in charge, um, it's like, look, I, I knew that I had to uphold the standards for what the program was about. The program had been having a lot of success way before me. And I just wanted to make sure that I kept that going, um, you know, whenever I was um, asked to do it. So I think those are the factors that that I learned the most and, and you learn pretty quickly. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that I wasn't going to be able to replicate, especially moving from a assistant coach to like an interim head coach. 
I wasn't going to be the the head coach and who he was. I was just going to be myself, but keep the standards that were important to him in the program. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you also touched on a point when you were playing as a player, you were kind of have a different perspective from a coach. And so you get to see that side of things. And then you get to jump into an assistant coach role and you see a whole different side that maybe you didn't see before. You know, what are the things that the characteristics, the qualities, the traits, kind of the building blocks that had been established, but also maybe you wanted to add a little bit more to as you became a head coach? And, and how did that kind of help you as you moved to Wichita State and then ultimately Oklahoma State? I think for me, just, you know, the one of the things that, that I wanted to do, um, kind of put my own stamp on a program was just the relationship building with the players and mm -hmm. um, try to connect with them and make a difference in their life um you know outside of it i think a lot of times um with with coaches and players it can be very transactional just um you know this is what i need from you this is what you need to do and and um you know i'm going to give you this and you give me this and then we go on down the road and um you know i just felt like my desire for coaching wasn't to win matches it was to be able to make an impact because i had seen the impact that coaches had had on me um and then how could i impact them and and with my, in my own way, you know, how can I impact them based on the things that I feel are important based on who I am as a person? And that's going to look different than than anyone else. And so just thinking about that, thinking about the ways that I wanted to impact people and thinking about how I was impacted in a positive way based on people that had come into my life, whether it was coaches or family, um, parents, other important figures in my life what what did they do that impacted me and how can I be you know that to someone else in my own way and as coaches you just spend so much time around um, kids and especially in the college setting where they're going through a period of time where they're on their own a lot of times for the first time they're making their own decisions for the first time um, and just being able to walk them through and be a support system for them during those critical moments is important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I love you talked about just developing relationships and you, you touched on authenticity before just being yourself, because ultimately, that's what people care about. You know, like you said, they don't want someone that's going to waver and be different one day and then be mad the next or be happy the other day. Um, but I think it's interesting too. were you always someone that's kind of a constant learner, trying to be naturally curious, uh, talking to different people trying to think of ways that oh, wow, I really like this aspect of this coach. I would love to kind of apply that in my leadership as well. For sure. Um, you know, I think that's always been a big characteristic of mine. I, I, I'm not as much of a, like a book reader as I am just like communicator. So I always try to get in front of people and ask questions. And um, I'm very like observant, I would say of, of people and just how they interact, how they act. I like watching games and just watching coaches and seeing how they interact seeing what they do and trying to find people that are successful in my field and be able to get in front of them and just ask them questions and you know even in our own department I feel like I've established strong relationships with a lot of coaches just because of being curious to ask them what they're doing or just watching them and seeing them and um, seeing how they interact and I think you can learn a lot that way so I think that's important yeah absolutely well, when you got to Wichita State, what was that like? Um, because now you're going to the Division One level. It's maybe a little bit different. You're in charge of both programs. And now you're kind of establishing a new culture and building something that might might have been a little bit different than where it was before. Yeah, you know, I, it wasn't um, 
as big a jump as I thought it was going to be. Um, I think the team that I took over at Wichita State wasn't as strong as the team that I had left at Oklahoma Christian. So from a talent perspective, I think everything was um, it was kind of normal. I think there's just a different way of doing things. Every department has a different way. I think just a bigger athletic department um, is very professional. Um, I, I came into a situation with uh, an athletic director and um, senior women's administrator that were just awesome to work for. Um, very great mentors. Um, still to this day, I would consider them to be good mentors of mine. People that shared the common vision for you know how to run a program, how to run an athletic department, and so there's just a lot of things that I you know had to learn as far as the, their involvement and what was available resources wise. Um, you know, I think that was the biggest thing is now I had more resources to accomplish more, to do more for the athletes, um, and that was a learning process of just what was available, how to use it, um, and, and then what do I want to establish with the program, and you know there was. I've always kind of been a builder, I would say, with programs and taking over programs that, um, you know, were in a, a period of time where they hadn't seen success. And at Wichita State, you know, they had never made the NCAA tournament when I got there, had never been ranked. At the time, our ranking system went one through 75, and Wichita State had never had a top 75 ranking. So, you know, there's a lot of things that we were able to achieve there in a short period of time. You know, in year two, we won the conference tournament and uh then got to go to the NCAA championships so you know I think there things came pretty quickly um and it was uh maybe an easier transition than it was um you know the next step to Oklahoma State but uh, I think Wichita State it was just a situation where everything was set up for success it was just a matter of getting somebody there with the right energy connecting with the players and and mm -hmm. the players there were talented you know they just um didn't really have the right direction so giving them the direction that they needed to go and setting things up and, and I think things happen fairly fairly quickly there yeah what what does that look like from kind of putting the things in place for the players that have success because you talked they might have had already a lot of talent but that's a quick turnaround in just about two years to go from kind of where they were before to being a very very successful program yeah, I think it's just a matter of the way that you speak and the way that you talk. You have to say, like, this is what we're going to do. And then you give them the guidelines of doing it. You give them the the blueprint. And I think it's a matter of, um, you know, letting your actions and your speech both match up. You know, sometimes people talk a certain way, but they don't their actions don't back it up or, you know, they're putting the time and the energy and the actions into doing something but they're not really like speaking in a confident, positive way that what they're going to do is going to pay off. You know, it's um, more wishful thinking. So I, I think it's just bringing all those things together, having a plan and and executing it. And when I got there, I surrounded myself with several guys in the community that were excellent business people and um, just became very good mentors of mine. Some of my close friends even now. Um, and we just had lunch, you know, every few weeks and we just kind of brainstorm and talk about things and we put a blueprint together of what would it look like for this program to be a top 20 program and you know I think that people kind of laughed about that because they'd never been top 75 and how do you go to be top 20 and we talked about this is what is going to need to happen and they really challenged me to you know put it down on paper and to really uh, have a plan and and have it all fleshed out and and what it would look like 
And we did that. And then in year three, um, we reached 16 in the country. And so I remember the day that we rent, went to 20 in the country and uh, we all kind of got together to celebrate because we had just put that plan together about 18 months prior and said, you know, if we do these things, this is what's going to give us a chance to reach this goal. And, and sure enough, it happened. And I think then that's something you can show the players, you can show um, potential supporters, you can show your administration of, you know, this is how we put together a plan and this is how we executed it. And I think ultimately for the players, I think that was the biggest, hopefully the biggest takeaway they could have was it was very intentional. Mm. Yeah. And what did it look like? You know, I love that story because have you seen a coach do that with, you know, people in the community that were business leaders or what, what enacted you to go and do that? No, I just, I, love I, that. I knew that um, it was going to be something much bigger than me. And uh, Wichita is a great tennis community. And there was a lot of people that I met kind of early on. And, um, you know, one guy gave me the insight. He said, people aren't going to really come to your matches just because you're winning in college tennis. They're going to come because you engage with the community, you engage with them, you you kind of support them first. And I thought that was such an interesting theory and concept. I think that's how most people are. Um, you know, to this day, I would say the majority of our supporters in our program aren't necessarily your diehard tennis fans, but they, they support and they appreciate what our program stands for and what our program is about. And so, um, you know, one of the things that I understood was the athletic background, but I didn't really understand maybe how people that weren't tennis people, what was going to engage them, what was going to drive them, what were they curious about? And from a business perspective, if they were going to run a program, they were all super successful in their fields you know, okay, what would their approach be to running our program from the ground up if they were going to do it? And you get five or six people. Um, we had Sheldon Coleman, whose family started the Coleman camping equipment. And um, we had um, a guy, Larry Cooley, that was a big entrepreneur that had opened several restaurants and other businesses. And so, um, you know, Buff Barrow was extremely um, influential with the USTA. And so you had these people that were extremely successful and they had their thought process of how to do it. And some things weren't practical. Some things just like we, we, you know, we didn't have the ability to do some things we didn't have the resources to do, but then when they threw out ideas, a lot of times they would be the ones to give me the resources to do it. I think you should kind of go this way and let's try this. And, you know, at the end of the day, um, they just challenged me to, you know, put things down on paper to be able to like, this is how you illustrate what, you know, you want a vision to be about. Don't just keep it in your head, but actually put it down and be able to present it to people. And as a young coach, you know, I got there when I was 24 years old. Um, so there was a lot of things that I had to learn, you know, in those um, five or six years um, doing it. So um, I think that was super influential for me. Yeah, no, you talked about Lipscomb playing, you talked about uh, Oklahoma Christian, and then you talked about Wichita State. And the one thing that I see is just the relationships and, and seeking good people, seeking wisdom. And you had people around you that uh, were not in necessarily the tennis world, but they were in the business world. And you guys all came together to seek out the best opportunity and the best solution to try to move forward and, and, and put together strategic vision. So I think that's a powerful story. And if you wouldn't mind, kind of dive right into, you know, you had great success at Wichita State. And then you get to Oklahoma State. And what was that like? Because anyone that's been to Oklahoma State, I mean, the facilities are probably the best in the country, hands down. You know, it's beautiful. It's a great spot, but it wasn't always like that. And you kind of had to spearhead that. So what was it like from day one and then 
maybe into transition and now I know there's a lot in there. So, yeah, it was, it was hard. Um, yeah. you know, it was, um, it was a challenge that I didn't really, um, I think to be honest that things came fairly easy at Wichita state to the point that, um, I just assumed that I would come to Oklahoma state and it'd be pretty quick and pretty easy. And it was just way more challenging than that. You know, when you go and we had, we had played Oklahoma state uh, my last every year that I was at Wichita state. And, uh, you know, especially when you go to a place and you play there, you just go in, you just play and then you leave and you don't really see everything. Right. So <clears throat> I think that when I first got there, I didn't realize the facilities, the, um, you know, what they didn't have. And so then I came and I realized, okay, all we have is the rec courts and we share those with the university. And there's times where they have intramurals. There's times where they have classes on the tennis court. Um, there's a lot of other groups that use the tennis court on a regular basis. And so scheduling and planning and doing everything where at Wichita State, we had our own facility and we we could practice anytime we wanted. We did things anytime that we wanted. And there were challenges for sure there. But, um, you know, you think kind of stepping up to the Big 12, um, you know, that was that was going to give you more resources and, and actually, you know, went back to having less. And it wasn't that much more than what I had at Oklahoma Christian. So I'm like, you know, just kind of stepping back and, and starting all over. We didn't have an indoor center. So fortunately for, for me, being from Oklahoma, I had relationships with a lot of tennis clubs in Oklahoma City and Tulsa. And so I used those the best that I could to get us court time. And so every day you would have to check the weather and then see if the weather's not going to be great, where are we going to go and be able to plan and you know, most of those tennis clubs, they have junior tennis programs. And so from three, three thirty when kids get out of school till about six thirty or seven, there's no chance they can give you court time because they need to use those for their peak hours. So you're having to, you know, work the class schedules, your practice schedules. Um, every day was something different. Um, and really wasn't till the last couple of years where I worked to deal with the Ponca City country club where they had two indoor courts that weren't being used a lot. And we kind of took those over during key times of the day, but, you know, we'd have half the team go in the morning and half in the afternoon based on their class schedules. So you're driving two times a day, a lot of times back and forth, 45 minutes on a two lane road. And most of the time you're doing that when the weather isn't good enough here to practice. So um, a lot of variables that, that went into that. And then you just realize, like, if we're going to have any success at all, we've got to get something done here. And so that became my vision. And kind of going back to what we talked about with Wichita State, I'd understood how to have a vision, how to put it down, how to be able to articulate what that vision is to people, to articulate what we're going to need in order for us to become a successful program and the Big 12 Conference and nationally. And so you speak about that, you talk about that, but you got to articulate it, you got to show it and um, you know, fortunately, I had learned from my previous experiences and was able to say, OK, this is what we need to do. This is what money we're going to have to raise. This is what it's going to look like to build courts of our own, not just outdoor courts, but now indoor courts to get us off the road. But I had a compelling story because I think everyone would understand, like, it's not safe for this team every day to be driving sometimes in difficult conditions to be able just to get to practice and they're spending more time driving than they are actually practicing. It's going to be hard to develop a program to recruit to, to 
you know, sell parents on that. And so um, I think when you have a compelling story, then you just got to get out and find people. And fortunately, we were able to do that, especially with Mike and Ann Greenwood and, and built the Greenwood Tennis Center, which, you know, I agree with you. It's one of the best, if not the best in college tennis. And, uh, you know, we finished that in 2014 and then 2016, we're playing for the national championship. So um, I think it's all about having a vision. It's all about executing that, but just living that out on a daily basis and realizing that everyone that you come in contact with can be someone that can be an ally with you. And so um, just connecting with people and realizing that um, people are your most valuable resource and you can learn something from everyone. I love connecting with people that necessarily I don't think a lot like um, because they challenge my thought process and, um, you know, they can always give you a different perspective on things. So I think all those things are really important. Mm -hmm. No, that's that's great stuff. And also, too, if, if you ever got out of tennis, you could definitely go work at Walmart in the logistics department. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's great. You talk about people and, and you said such a, you know, you got the facility built and then 2016, you get to play in the championship. And I think it was Stanford, correct? That's what was right. it like to see all of your hard work and all of that, the vision and the focus of you and your coaching staff and your team, all the people that surrounded the program kind of get to the pinnacle of where you wanted to be. And then maybe talk about maybe, uh, coming up just a little bit short to where maybe your expectations like, man, we would have loved to win it, obviously. Um, what was that like? Because it, it's such a such a great story. And then, um, you know, at the same time, there's also challenges in each one of these things that, you know, you're accomplishing. Yeah, you know, um, 2014, as we're finishing up trying to build the tennis center, I remember that fall, there was a period of time where, you know, the lights at the rec rec courts wouldn't work and we had to pull up our cars and shine the lights there to give us lighting to hit or you know a couple of days it was icy on the roads and we couldn't drive and we set up chairs inside the rec center gym just to hit over and you're, you're doing that in 2014 and then you get the facility and then 2016 the national championships were in Tulsa and we had a team that in 2015 made the sweet 16 and so we knew returning that entire team we had a chance to do something special and with the national championships in Tulsa, if we could get to the final 16, um, we could play those those next rounds in Tulsa. And in 2016, you know, we just really challenged challenged the team, and and that team got on a roll, um, went undefeated in the Big 12 Conference, won the Big 12 Conference tournament, which we hosted. And so, you know, really all of your postseason from the Big 12 Conference tournament to the first and second rounds in our sport, if you're top 16. You get to host the first and second rounds. So we did that. And then we went to Tulsa for the Sweet 16 and just really began knocking off teams. And we were the 12 seed. So we played the five seed in Georgia first round. We beat them. Then we played the four seed in Ohio State and won against them. And then the semifinals, we had Cal, who was number one in the country and had only lost one match all year. And we were able to defeat them. And then going in against Stanford, Stanford had won half of the national championships ever played. So if there's somebody that you want to play to win a national championship at Stanford. And, um, you know, we set an attendance record for um, women's tennis in a, in a final. Um, we just packed the place in Tulsa and it was uh, electric atmosphere. I know for us probably wasn't as much for Stanford, although, you know, I think they appreciated having, um, you know, that kind of, fans and and support for you know what college tennis was all about 
And as you said, you know, it came down to the last match on court and we actually had a match point. So literally one single point away from winning the national championship in that particular match um, and lost it seven, five in the third set. But, you know, just a tremendous um, week. It's, it's a week that I'll never forget because, you know, so many things was the, is the culmination of so many things of hard work and, and um, just being walking alongside, whether it was, you know, the Greenwoods who um, had put a lot of uh, financial resources into making that a reality to, you know, our athletic director, Mike Holder, who had hired me and and, and walked alongside that vision of what, what it could be. And at Oklahoma State, we've never won a women's national championship. So we were trying to be the first and, and to feel like we were that close. Um, it's still something that stings a little bit when you, when you think about it. But I think mostly when I think about that week, it's just such a rewarding experience with those girls who had believed in me before we had the tennis center, majority of them, um, and just believing in what the program could become and coming and doing that. So I think that was a exciting thing to be able to do it in the state of Oklahoma. Um, you know, and that was just something I have a lot of pride in being from Oklahoma and representing the state and having so many friends and family and people there supporting the program, um, just to look out and to see the energy of the crowd. And, and that was happening for not only our program, but for college tennis in general, I think that was really special. Mm -hmm. And what a story too, you go from, you know, having practice with car lights shining because the lights are not working to go into this beautiful state-of-the-art facility to go into the national championship. So minimal resources to having pretty much as many resources as possible to give your your uh, your players the best chance to actually be successful. And I think that's a great story because a lot of people think, oh, I don't have this or that, you know, I may not be able to, I'm not going to be able to do it. Well, you're going to find a way like you did to make it happen. And now you've given your players the best chance of having the best uh, success on the court and off the court as well. I think that's awesome. Yeah, it's, you know, it, it doesn't come without a lot of difficult moments, um, a lot of challenging times. There was some periods of time in those first three, four years when I was here that was just like, wow, this is, <laughs> this is tough. <laughs> um, you know, if we don't get some things done, um, it's going to be really tough for a long time. And so, um, you know, just very fortunate and always grateful for the people that have poured into our program and supported us and helped us. Um, and just realizing that it's really just all about the people and you can't do it alone. And that's something that, um, you know, being here, especially at, at Oklahoma State has has taught me more than anything. But then Wichita State, Oklahoma Christian, um, throughout my coaching career, you see that it's not just it's not just one person. It's all the assistant coaches that I've had. It's the players that I've coached. It's um, the administrators and then then our donors and supporters. And you just can never take that for granted. Mm -hmm. So going into that, how would you say how important is developing buy in and belief in where you're going and, and kind of casting the vision to everyone in the program? I think that's the most important thing, right? Because most of the time people don't get burn out because of, um, you know, what they're doing, they just forget why they're doing it. And so um, you got to be able to catch that vision and, and, and always be inspiring people to something greater. And just realizing like, look, you know, I'm showing up every day with a passion of this is what I want to do. This is what I want to accomplish. And I think it's just a matter of always casting that vision. And as a leader, that's the hardest thing, I think, for most people is being that person every single day that continues to press 
the vision forward and set the standard. And, you know, as a leader, you're the standard and, and you can, you have to be the, the bearer of that standard on a daily basis. And when you let that drop, when you don't, um, you know, uphold those standards of, of, you know, your organization or your team or whatever it is you're a part of, everything's just going to drop to the lowest common denominator. And so um, I think just getting support, getting people on board, casting that vision, inspiring people that they can do something they never thought was possible. And I hope that's what people see in our program. Mm -hmm. And I think I'd heard you touch on the phrase coaches are messengers of excellence. And I kind of, I think that goes into what you're saying. So going into that, how important is being able to have that vision, but sticking and building a process that you can do every single day. And I think you, you touched on it because, you know, when you look at great programs, that's what they're able to do is every day have that, that daily discipline, that diligence to stick towards the process and achieve the goals. But at the same time, have a coach that keeps leading them in the same direction saying the same things over and over again, but doing it in a way that inspires the, the belief even more so that there's a fresh perspective too. What would you say to that? And how do you go about kind of developing a process that you can do every single day? Yeah, I mean, I think complacency is your biggest enemy of success. You know, I think most people when they have a little success, it's easy to relax for a little bit. And, um, you know, and I think that you see that in so many aspects of our life that sometimes especially when it's really hard to get to the top of that mountain, you just want to, you know, take it in and enjoy the view a little bit, so to speak. And, and that's where I think people can, can lose their edge. And, you know, at Oklahoma state, especially in tennis, you know, we always have to have an edge about us, whether it's the work ethic, it's the process, it's what we do. And, and the way that we're going to achieve is, is going to be who we are and, and what we're really all about and just holding to that pattern every single day. So, I think the minute that you can't do that, you know, it's it's time for me to to do something do something else because I think it's really important as the leader just to be able to be involved in that process all the time and um you know not be complacent about just the process. The process is is what it is and you can't change that. There's no shortcuts um and you know we've got to where we are because we understood that. And now that we have the resources that we didn't have previously, um, you know, the players that come into our program now, we can tell them what it was like before, but they're not really going to understand it. So, um, but they have to have that same hunger and vision for the process and just being, you know, realizing that they have every resource now possible to be successful. And it's just a matter of they stick to their daily habits and rituals and routines they have the ability to achieve anything. Mm -hmm. I love that. Also too, I think people can look at you and your story and and see, oh, anywhere you've gone, you've had tremendous success and it must've been easy. And I think it's important to highlight that, uh, you know, everything, John Maxwell says, everything worthwhile is uphill. And so there's always challenges that you're facing, but having that focus, that vision, you know, also you've had to face some challenges as well off the court and, how has your faith kind of guided you and shaped you through these challenges and through the successes, but definitely through the challenges and also uh, not even that, but just the pressure of, okay, when now you win and you're at the top of your game, now you, people are expecting you to sustain that. Mm-hmm. For sure. I think that ultimately, you, you know, it goes back to being authentic and comfortable of who you are. And, you know, for me, coaching is so much bigger than the results. And, you know, it's about, 
being a person of character and faith and, and sharing that with others. So they see something greater in my life. And that doesn't mean that I'm perfect and have done a great job at it. Um, but, but hopefully through the difficult times, if I stay consistent, as consistent as possible, they realize like you have a hope in something that's greater and you're about something that's different. And so, um, you know, that's the way that you can be an influence and example to people. Everybody can be good when it's easy, you know, I mean, when things are going well and when you're kind of at the top of the mountain, um, you know, everything can, everybody can do that. It's, you know, what can people do when things are tough? And that's where your character is really revealed is in those difficult moments when it'd be very easy to change who you are or maybe to let who you are really come out for the first time or whatever it might be. Um, but I think that that's always, um, you know, really important. And, you know, when we were going to our run to the national championship, you know, off the court, my wife was dealing with some major health issues. And so while you're um, career was, you know, at the pinnacle, so to speak, you know, the, the personal life was really being challenged. And so I think you realize that nothing's ever easy and nothing's ever like smooth all the way around. I mean, those moments in life are super rare. So you have to just be consistent with who you are every single day and realize that, man, there's going to be so many things thrown your way. And, um, I never try to say, well, I've seen it all because that's just, a uh, throwing yourself in a situation where you're going to see something new. And, yeah. um, you know, I don't ever want to jinx myself in that way. But, you know, I think that you're, you're always going to be faced with difficult situations. And that's a part of life. But that's how you grow your character. That's how you learn about yourself. And that's how you reveal who you really are to other people. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Well, how important is, you know, being a good husband and father to you? Yeah, that's the most important thing to me is the impact that I can have on my family. That's the people that, um, you know, I think rely on me the most to um, give them my best. And so I think sometimes that's where, I, you know, I have to continue to always push myself as to be the best for for my family because that's, you know, that's what they're counting on. And And I think a lot of times in coaching, that's a huge challenge is we give our best to everyone else around us. And then you come home and your family gets whatever's left. And so I, I've realized there's been plenty of time where, where I've had my priorities, you know, out of line with that because I've been so career focused. And so, um, you know, that's something I want to do a better job. Even this next year, I always try to pick like one word and one word for me this year was discipline and I need to be more disciplined just in my personal life and get a little bit more um, fit and, and do some of those things and, and achieve some better goals there for my family, for my team, just to be an example there. And my word going into uh, this year is just to be present. Just I want to be present with things in a better way um, because I think that's a big challenge for me personally. So I think that's what I need to do a better job as a husband, a father, um, and just for the people around me. Yeah. Well, I think that's a really important thing for most all of us to remember because, you know, being present, being where your feet are is is definitely very challenging, especially if you're focused on a lot of things like in business and work. And then it's very easy to, to kind of forget about, you know, where you're at to enjoy the moment because, yeah, we don't know about, you know, the next day. So it's really important. And I think that's a great, great word to remember. That might be something I, I definitely need to. My wife will for sure tell me that. So. <laughs> Anyway, well, I appreciate uh, you sharing a little bit of that. As we kind of wind down, I've got a little fire round for you. So I'll, I'll say a little sentence and you can finish with a word or sentence, however you feel led. So you can do anything if. I would say if you believe. 
um, you know, I think you you got that the mind is so powerful. Mm -hmm. Hope is. Um, boy, that's a good question or a good uh, beginning to the sentence. <laughs> um, you know, I think just from a faith perspective, it's, you know, hope is um, paramount to to, you know, my faith and, and who I am as a person is having that hope. And hopefully hope is something that I share with people on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. Favorite vacation spot. Oh man. A anywhere there's a beach. Uh, <laughs> that's, uh, I, uh, I like finding new vacation spots that so, but, um, yeah, I think the beach is, is, is the key. Anywhere with the beach. Keystone Lake then, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. We'll have to come back to that. Yeah. Intentionality is important. I think it's really important to be intentional with um, everything you do. Any favorite book that you have? Uh, favorite book. Um, that's a good question. I'm looking around right now to see some of the ones that I, um, you know, I liked uh, Lead for God's Sake. I think that was like okay. a really good book that kind of, um, challenged me a lot, um, with, with my thought process. Um, and I've thought about reading it again this year. Um, as I said, I'm trying to be a better book reader. I know there's a lot of people that are way more readers. I'm more of like a podcast or mm -hmm. talk to people, um, kind of person. Yeah, absolutely. It all comes down to, um, I think, all comes down to your values and, and who you are really at the core. Um, just, I think that's ultimately, as we talked about in the beginning, um, comes down to authenticity and who you are and really who you want um, people to feel that, you, you know, you, you are like, what's the value? I always think like with my interactions with people, does who I really am come across? not just like who I want them to think I am, but, but who I really am, you know, um, do they see a person that has high quality character and integrity and faith and, and, uh, you know, do they come across interactions with me, um, and feel like they got the real version of me? I think that's what it all really comes down to in your interactions with people, because that's what it's all about. Mm -hmm. I was going to ask you who your favorite singer is, but we all know it's Chris Young. So, yeah, that's a, that's a good question. You know, I, I my goal my goal was to get the Chris Young Chris Young photo um, <laughs> this past year because no one else. You know, I I've had so many experiences where I go someplace and they think that Chris Young, the country singer, is going to be arriving, and they're so disappointed when I check into a hotel or I've gone to pick up tickets at a concert or something, and they're like, ah, this is this isn't who we thought. Not Chris oh, Young, at least. At yeah. least you're not having to hop on a mic and sing. So you don't exactly. Have to worry about that. Yeah. So maybe maybe in 2023, we're going to make that happen. Yeah. We're done with the fire round. The final two questions I have for you is, is there a certain piece of best advice you've ever received and what would it be? You know, I think it um, really just goes back to one of the things that I shared earlier is, you know, people aren't going to care about you just because you're successful, especially as a coach um and supporting you they're going to support you because you care about them first and i just thought that was such a unique um set of advice to tell somebody um because i think it most coaches think that the key to building support is winning and i think winning becomes a byproduct of building support and, and building engagement and connecting with people um 
And I think because then people are really authentically behind you, supporting you. Um, if you if you're just doing it based on winning, there's going to be some down moments, and then those people are going to be gone. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the final question is: This podcast is called Building Excellence. What does Building Excellence mean to you? I think it's just um, being very intentional and um, having a vision of doing something that's elite. And I think building excellence to me is challenging yourself to go to a different level um, and, and dreaming big. And, you know, as we talked about, coaches are messengers of excellence, leaders are messengers of excellence. So if you want to build excellence, you have to be the standard of what excellence looks like. And so I think ultimately, um, I think that's how to bring it full circle. Yeah, well, that's a great way to finish. Well, uh, Coach Young, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks for sharing your story, but also the principles that you've helped establish. And I couldn't think of a, a better way, you know, talking about building excellence you touched on earlier. That's every, you've built programs every single place you've been. So what a, a great conversation. If someone wanted to kind of follow you and learn more about OSU Women's Tennis or the tennis programs and kind of follow you guys as you head into the season uh, this spring, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, I mean, I think we've, uh, you know, we're all over social media, okstate.com, you know, they can keep up with our releases, but at Cowgirl Tennis on Instagram, Twitter, um, you know, and then I'm at coach underscore Chris Young, uh, the same. And so we'd love to have people following us, come out to our matches. I think college tennis is one of the most exciting sports that people don't know about. So when people come, they usually come back. Um, they find that our kids play hard and they compete well. So I'd love to have more people that that listen to this come out and, and support our girls. That's the most important thing for me is as a coach to put fans in the stands, because I think that shows support for our players. I think that's the most important thing I can do for my players is to get people to support them and believe in them even outside of me. Um, you know, there's a lot of sports that get thousands of people to come watch them on a daily basis. And that's a pretty cool experience for those kids. And, and I want to be able to give our kids the same experience. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks again for coming on. Yep, sounds good. Hey everyone, it's Bailey Miles. Thanks again so much for tuning in. We hope you found value in the show. And if you enjoyed it, we would really appreciate you sharing the show with a friend, subscribing on Apple or Spotify podcast, writing a quick review, or leaving a five-star rating. When you do that, it really helps get the message out and allows more people to hear these stories and help them build excellence in their life, leadership, and legacy. Now, if you have any questions, thoughts, or ideas, I'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to me via email. It's bailey at baileymiles.com. Follow us on social. We're on all the different social platforms, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Or check out our website at baileymiles.com. Once again, I'd love to hear from you, so definitely do that. And then thanks again for joining me on this journey. And remember, life begins at the end of your comfort zone.